0: Hello, my name is Mark Taylor, and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents, and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life, and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back, and thank you so much for joining us again here on the Education on Fire podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you and the opportunity to share this inspirational and creative learning that we're trying to have with these conversations week in, week out. Hopefully there's some nuggets of information, some insights which you can take into your classroom or your learning environment or how you build that up with the children that you're working with just to, to give them that sense that the world is their oyster, that they can be seen and they can actually create their, their life in their most positive way. Just wanted to say a big thank you again to the National Association for Primary Education for their continual support and sponsorship of the show. Um, it's really important in order to, to keep the podcast going and to actually make sure that we can bring these guests week in, week out. And I know we're already planning as part of NAEP to be able to bring more events to you if, if you're working in primary education. So do check out all the work they're doing at nape.org.uk. That's nape.org.uk. Now today I'm chatting to Scott Stewart and he's the founder and CEO of Genius Lab. Now Genius Lab has an exemplary mission of exposing the youth to the possibilities of learning and exploring their inner greatness to think boldly in achieving accomplishments. Scott encompasses over 30 years of business experience working with Fortune 500 companies and has taught business and entrepreneurship at collegiate level. He aims to empower the next generation of business leaders to create an impact globally. Scott shares his passion both in terms of an educator in terms of a parent in terms of his work within business and I think just making things relevant to children showing them the future showing them exactly what is going to be important going forward but also making it relevant to now it's something we've covered before on the podcast and I think every time you hear this with people who are making a difference day in day out within schools and also out of school when you have an organization that can help anybody across the world is an exciting prospect so I really hope you enjoy. This is my conversation with Scott Stewart about Genius Lab. Hi Scott, thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. It's um such a privilege to have you here. Tell us a little bit about where you're based and, and exactly what it is that you do. Well,
1: thanks Mark for having me on Education on Fire. As you've already stated, my name is Scott Stewart. Big Stu, Professor Stewart. It really does depend on how you know me. And I'm from the south side of Chicago, born and raised in the States.
0: And tell us a little bit about your overall professional background. You know, what's it like in terms of being in the public school system, being outside of the public school system and and how you sort of sort of morphed it into the educator that you are?
1: Yeah, well, you know, very quickly, it goes back to and I think about that when I was a student in elementary school, the primary grades, I was an average student at best. When I got to high school, the only thing I wanted to do was to get out of high school. I never wanted to step foot into a school building again. Um, But I did go on to college. I did uh, succeed in college. I got my undergraduate degree. I got a master's degree. And I, you know, got an education in business and marketing. And it wasn't until, you know, 9-11, back in 2001, when kind of the U.S. economy changed, jobs changed, and I found myself, oh, oh, and also, by the way, back in 2001, I got really, really sick. Um, I got uh, diagnosed with Guillain-Barre, which is a nerve uh, disease. It paralyzed the me for the left side of my body. I had to, you know, I was confined to a wheelchair. Uh, Doctor said I would never walk again. Ultimately lost my job. Uh, I was a regional marketing manager for a company out of of the UK, uh, Premier Farnell, uh, which was Newark Electronics. Uh, And I was doing their sales and marketing. And I ultimately lost that job. Uh, as I was finishing graduate school uh, in marketing, one of our final projects was to create a a, a service, a product or a service that we could sell uh, and we would market. And I created a youth entrepreneurship program. And so I found that after I lost my job, I'm looking at this project and I, I got really good grades, uh, a really good mark on this project. It was like, a, you know. Low A, you know, uh, like a, an A, ultimately an A on this project. Uh, excellent on this project. And I dusted it off and I said, Well, you know what? I'm out of work. Uh, let me try my hand at this entrepreneurial education thing. And I started pitching it to, you know, public school principals, school leaders. And after a lot of rejection, I ultimately found a school principal who brought me on to implement the program. And I, you know, I didn't have a formal degree in teaching. I didn't have a teacher certificate, but in here in Chicago, Chicago public schools has what we call an alternative certification program. And I went through that alternative certification program became a licensed Illinois State Board of Education teacher back in 2002 and kind of been, you know, the rest is kind of history. Now we're here in 2022. (laughs) So that's that's an overview of kind of the journey. I'm not a traditional teacher. I have a very, very unique perspective on how teachers teach particularly when it comes to engaging and keeping students engaged like myself. Now, earlier, Mark, I said I was an average student, but my mediocrity had nothing to do with my lack of intelligence. I was an average student because of everything associated with how teachers connected with me. I just did not feel an authentic connection with many teachers if you know i can only remember a handful of teachers where i felt a true authentic connection with them like they really cared about my success Um, but those two teachers over my years are the teachers that really really uh, made a difference in my life and that's kind of how i approach the classroom today What I what I dislike most, because I was a classroom teacher, but now I've stepped away. I've retired from Chicago Public Schools now twice. And to to start my own business where I teach in the private sector. But what I really disliked, what I really struggled with, was some of the bureaucracy associated with being a teacher, all the paperwork and meetings and lesson planning and I just wanted to teach. I didn't want to sit in meetings all day. I just wanted to have impact with young people so they would feel connected to learning, not belabored by learning, if that makes
0: sense. Yeah, absolutely. And so there are a couple of things that I just want to pick up on there. First of all, why do you think so many principals decided they didn't want this idea of entrepreneurship? Is it because it didn't fit into that lesson plan idea? It didn't fit into what it was they were perceiving they needed to deliver. Even though I think we're both on the same page, it would be a, the most important thing that they could that they could be taught.
1: Yeah, I think you're one hundred percent correct in that. It's I think it didn't fit into their traditional understanding of why we go to school traditionally we you know going back to the, you know pre-industrial revolution we're we're going to school to fill jobs right we are not preparing young people to go to school to create jobs like that's a foreign concept and so when you have these educational leaders who were top performers in their class their entire life and prepped to get a really, really nice job as a teacher or as an educational leader, anything outside of that you know, just doesn't m- make sense. It doesn't resonate with the folks in charge. So there are two, two, two subject matters which I think are truly missing from uh, our educational system here in the United States. And I don't know if it's the same where you are, but teaching young people at an early age, as early as possible, teaching them about economics and teaching them about entrepreneurship. Now, of course, teaching them about tech as well. But that's where I focus, like where business, economics, entrepreneurship meets technology. And I think that is what our focus should be as educators um, in classrooms of today and that's what I'm focused
0: on and I think that the thing that straddles really nicely with the entrepreneurship is the fact that that's very personal and like you said this is all about a personal journey and about a personal learning um, so tell me what was it about those two teachers that had that authentic connection what was it do you think that actually made that something that you felt that enabled you to, to be inspired or, or to sort of walk into that relationship to help you grow? sagaciousness sagaciousness
1: look that word up if you ever get a chance so having foresight right it's a gift that a part of one of the many gifts that i have and i don't want to sound so pretentious like i have all these gifts oh my god no 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 it's not like that but having the ability to see value or future value in something a situation and in my case in the case of those teachers in people. So I have, and that's that's what I got from those teachers. They saw something in me at a time that I didn't see it in myself. They were very sagacious. Um, and they had this uncanny ability, um, and I saw it, they did it with other, other uh, students, but they had this uncanny ability to impress upon students like myself the value that that are are un it's just it's just, just the value that we just couldn't see in ourselves right just um i'm a, i'm a 16 17 year old kid who's just you know walking around kind of aimlessly just in the moment which is great you know you're in the moment but at that time i didn't have the ability to see myself 10 years in the future or 20 years in the future where those adults did and they took the time out of their schedule to share what they saw in me which gave me perspective for myself and that's what really helped change the trajectory of my life
0: and it's the most important thing in the world i think this personalized learning even not necessarily personalized as in here's the subject matter that you need which i think would be amazing as well but just that kind of like you say i'm a human you're a human let me as the the adult in this relationship be able to support you in what you need now you know you're talking about the sorts of teachers that change lives because they're going above and beyond and just know what it's all about you know we just wish the world was filled with people like that but do you think there's any room in in the curriculum for that to be able to be part of what everybody should be doing or do you just think that that because of the time schedules and all that kind of thing so many people are just literally sort of tick boxing and just moving on to the next lessons
1: i do i get in trouble a lot mark for seemingly criticizing and or even bashing teachers. And that's not my intention. So and and part of that is for that reason that you just discussed, I do think there are many teachers who got into the profession of teaching, because the benefits are great, right? Like who wouldn't want as many vacation days as we get in education, who wouldn't want a job? where you got summers off, right? You get two weeks for the holidays. You get every, at least in the States, you get all these national holidays off, right? You have, you know, six and a half, seven and a half hour work days. Um, And I think, and, and you have pretty decent, historically, pretty decent retirement plans as teachers and today you know the pay i know you know you you don't hear as many teachers complaining about teacher pay like you did 20 years ago you know the pay is not too bad the the um so what i'm critical of of teachers are the teachers who are quick to say to a student i got mine you need to get yours The, the the teachers who are quick to um, dismiss um, adolescent behavior as bad behavior, or want to expel or suspend students from their classroom because those teachers lack. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get some, you know, pushback from this again. They lack the classroom management skills. They lack the people skills. They don't see the value in every single student right and those those are the teachers that make education for students sometimes unbearable i do think that and i've i've never told a student you can't do something i've never said to a student you won't make it every single student every single student that is in my purview, in my classroom, in my ecosystem has genius level potential, whether I know them or not. And I can say that emphatically because the fact that that young person is there is proof that they want something better for themselves. How do I say that? Because with the number of students that drop out number of students that skip school these students have a choice they can if they really didn't want to be there they could choose to not be there so by them showing up is proof that they have bought into the ideology that i can have a better life than the life that i already have and i believe that education is the key whether or not it's showing up in their grades or in their behavior at that time That's where the teacher's um, foresight comes in. That's where the teacher's um, uh, impact comes in. That's where we breathe life and hope into young people. And so I'm always critical of teachers who, to your, you know, using your word, kind of tick off the boxes and just move along. Those um, teachers might be good in uh, subject matter teachers, but they don't tend to display the ability to care about the individuals that are sitting in front of them and I'm already knowing I'm going to get some some critical some criticism about that statement
0: but I think it's an it's an important conversation to have isn't it because it's very easy in any walk of life to say this type of people this group of society are all like this so to say that teachers are all fantastic or teachers are all bad or whatever is a nonsense you know because like i say mm-hmm. there's good and bad and everything that we do as well and i think to talk about what the the positives are and how that works then starts to separate out a group of you know this is the quality and and the kind of the content and the relationships that we want within our learning experiences. And I think that's where education is changing because the learning experiences come in, in multiple ways. And, and And so take us into how you work with, with students now in the Genius Lab and, and how all that works on in your sort of day to day.
1: Yeah, I enjoy what I do. I'm having a great time helping young people, especially post pandemic, right? Um, in Chicago, let me just lay this. Prior to the pandemic, Chicago Public School students were already out of the classroom for about six months, right, because we had teacher strikes and, well, we had teacher strikes. So we were out of the classroom for about four months and then the pandemic hit. And so for that school year from 2019 to 2020, students had only been in the classroom about four out of the 10 months right so 60 percent of the school year they lost and then we lost an entire school year due to the pandemic so students are now back in the classroom as of fall 2021 but that seems like after being out of the classroom for two years right i'm spending a good portion of my time just have helping students Think again. Think about how to make decisions that affect their lives today. The What's super important, Mark, is that, one, teachers release some of the control of the classroom, meaning... Obviously, I haven't met a teacher who doesn't love to talk. What we have to be thinking about is how we not talk so much and give the classroom back to students. We have to think about how we allow students to be at the center of their learning. And what that looks like for me is... Project based learning or problem based learning, give students scenarios, put them in groups, pairs or larger groups and let them solve the problem, let them create the solution. And we as teachers should be facilitating that process, that thinking process far more than we've we ever had. You give them 30 seconds of instruction, right? Now, how do you get 30 seconds of instruction? You ever seen a TikTok video, right? You can do, you can pack in a lot of information in a 30-second TikTok or a 30-second television commercial. So, how do you condense a 45-minute or an hour-long lesson into 30 seconds or 60 seconds? Give them 30 seconds of instruction, 60 seconds of instruction. And the rest of the class period, you monitor, you monitor and assess student engagement, problem solving skills, teamwork and collaboration, right? That is the work that I do daily to have students think about where business and technology combined, right? The premise is, Mark, you're in the UK, I'm in the States. I don't know you, I didn't grow up with you, we didn't go to school together, we're not college chums, but I believe we have a couple of things in common. And these are the two things you and I both want to be as happy as we possibly can every single day. Do you agree with that, Mark? That's one. Absolutely. I want to be as happy as I possibly can every single day. The second thing. And I I believe you want this, too. I want to have as much money as I possibly can have. Is that you? I just want to Hey, if I could have as much money as I could possibly have, that'd be great. And if I could be enjoying life and having as much fun as I possibly can and happy as I possibly can every day, that's great. And I think that's what we do in our human experience here on Earth, right? We are working to be healthy and happy and have fun, and we're working to be financially secure in whatever works for us. And I believe that's what we should be helping young people prepare for whether or not they go to post-secondary higher ed go to college or university that may not be as important as it once was whether they're an electrician a mechanic a software engineer a medical doctor an attorney uh, a politician those items those things tend to come from where your passion is as a person as an individual and as we move into web 3.0 blockchain the metaverse right jobs are changing right before our eyes and you know i think long gone are the days of thinking that somebody's going to go sit in somebody's office for eight hours a day five days a week and wait on a paycheck and a pension after 20, 30 years. You understand, Mark. In, in 2006, I was introducing students to Twitter for the first time, my students. And they, my students laughed me out the classroom. This is the dumbest thing. This is the stupidest thing. How can you get a thought across in 140 characters? This is when Twitter was only 140 characters the thought of somebody sitting on youtube creating educational videos of this kind and when it first came out do you know how how resistant people were to this idea that you could sit in front of a computer and that would be a method for you to earn money in the beginning it was people dismissed all of it but look at us two adults what are we doing Sitting in front of a computer, creating content, may not be a video game, but we're creating content and we're hoping to find ways to monetize this content, right? That's what kids were doing. That's what you and I were doing maybe when we were kids. Um, And so everything is changing and educators really have to jump on top of moving into how how we change how we deliver education today whether it's in person or whether it's virtual or whether it's a combination of both and that's what i'm doing and that's what i think we should you know i'm trying to help other teachers other educational
0: leaders understand how to do better yeah i think that whole sort of blended idea is 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 absolutely key so when you deliver the the sorts of things you're talking about, is that blended as well? Is that partly in person? Is it online? How does that work?
1: So ideally, Genius Lab will be 100% virtual. We should be able to, you know, I should be in in Los Angeles, California, and my students could be in Myanmar, right? Uh, I could be in uh, Miami, Florida, and my students could be in the UK, right? or I'm in Chicago and my students are in Canada uh but I'm I am finding that still right now th- there is an a case to be made for something about uh having a if, if a human standing in front of students in the classroom um at least for right now so a lot of my clients uh, principals here and schools here in the in the states are still looking for people to come inside of the building so right now and today i am challenged with educational leaders still jumping on board for virtual learning um it it didn't go over as well as we hoped during the pandemic but it's not because of being in person or being virtual It had everything to do with equity in uh, broadband connections and equity in um, the the access to various devices, right? And so one of the statistics that I'm always sharing is still 45% of black and brown households in the United States do not have a stable internet connection 45 percent do not have a stable internet connection meaning they may have the latest device but they need to connect to someone's wi-fi in order to um be on the internet right um they don't have data plans on their phones and some of that is due to poverty Uh, Some of that may be just due to a mismanagement of whatever finances they currently have and uh, internet becomes less of a priority. Nevertheless, it's still an issue, which is why many educational leaders find it easier just to bring all of these students into one central location and have uh, service providers, ancillary service providers. Like myself, come in and meet with the students in person. Here's the part that I think they miss, and here's what I'm also finding the school buildings have the technology, the school buildings have the access to the Wi Fi, they have the smart boards and the projection screens, right? And so you would think, okay, well, you got all the students in the building. Why can't I just show up virtually? And the answer to that is because many of the classroom teachers are still adverse to the tech. They still don't know how to necessarily work it all. They because they haven't had to. Teachers traditionally haven't had to use all this to, The technology was for not for teachers. Teachers are antiquated. Teachers are making photocopies and handing out paper. Right. Uh, And not all teachers. I don't mean to overgeneralize, generalize, generalize, but for the most part, many teachers who just are still, you know, they're still struggling with how to use tech to its fullest. And if you can find more and more teachers who become more tech savvy, this is why business and technology is so important. It would make their jobs a lot easier and so that still is a challenge right now many schools want me to come in person I prefer to be virtual so I'm I'm in the midst of that right now as we speak
0: and it's really interesting isn't it that like you said so many people thought that the virtual world opened up due to the pandemic and it did only because it solved the immediate problem um but people then want to get comfortable again and rather than walking into what's the possibility of a new world they step back but of course like i say, we start to generalize that in in terms of how that how that works and, and how those things go and I'm, I'm interested to know whether you know I, I guess it comes back to the equity thing you were talking about before it's that kind of you know there are some schools who will jump on the the virtual world and and you could do that and then but there's this sort of level of 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 education which isn't going to do that and so it then just becomes a lottery again of you know where are you from what's your school ethos what's it trying to do what's it trying to be able to sort of put together and that sort of lowest denominator just means that it suddenly becomes a them and us kind of scenario. If you happen to be in a different scenario, then you get all these extra benefits just because you have that foresighted um, leader or principal that's able to take you in that direction or you don't. And that can be money related, but it can just be a thought process related.
1: I think this education takes place while babies are still in the womb, right? Like put the headphones on mommy's tummy and play classical music. Make some recordings uh, while the baby is still in the womb and talk to your child. When the baby gets here, uh, no baby talk. Use full sentences and real words. Um, what I, because I have two year old twins now, my oldest child, will be turning 21 or will be 21 by the time we hear this. My youngest are two-year-old twins. These young people today um, are so smart, intuitively smart, and it's through observation. So at a, before they can walk and talk, Share, say numbers, say the alphabet, um, point to objects and call them by their actual names, table, chair, sofa, automobile, dog, bird, count um, using, you know, say the numbers. Start with zero. The numbers system starts with the number zero not one It's not one through 10 it's zero through nine but you introduce students young people children babies to this as early as possible take them through your life go to the store point out stuff let them cook with you let them put the furniture furniture together with you um do your best to keep them off of the mobile devices as long as you can. Interact with them, play with them, talk to them. That's the first learning. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've i met so many parents, unfortunately. I've met more great parents than not so great parents. But I've met a handful of not so great parents that when their children ask them questions, they dismiss them. You know, they dismiss the questions. For example, a a child may say, you know, mommy, what is that? And they're pointing to an airplane and the mommy may say, you know, because they're driving the car. I don't know. Be quiet. Uh, sit, sit back. Put your seatbelt on. Or, uh, talk to me later because they're so busy or, you know, they're asking complex questions about uh, and, and and asking meaning they're not you know necessarily always articulating in full sentences, but you know you know bringing you a device and holding it in your face, and you're thinking that they're being irritating children when actually they're asking for attention, so you can explain to them what this thing is or how this you know remote control works or you know things of that nature. I think through music you can educate children at a very, very, very young age. Um, Talk to them in full sentences. Use the number system. And to your point, more, most, most, most importantly, read to your child daily. Read a book, at least one book. You know how fast, how easy it is to get through a children's book. Do that once a day in the beginning. And let them let those babies uh, tear up the pages of the book. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but let them play with the book. Let them feel the texture of the pages. Let them put the book in their mouth. Right. That's where the real learning happens. You don't have to wait until the child turns a certain age, five or six years old and then put them in school. And then blame the school for not helping your child read when you had three, four, five years to prepare that child to contextualize with the real world where all the education is happening. We call it education without walls, education without borders. Go outside, count the leaves, go outside and play in the snow and Count the number of cars. Point to the color. I could call. That's where the education happens first,
0: to me. Yeah, I completely agree, and I and I and I think the the flip side of that is that when they do then hit the educational system in inverted commas if that way of learning could then just continue naturally and, and and I talk about this all the time I've never taught a toddler to walk they, <laughs> they just do it because why would you not that's you know that's what we're hardwired to do you know and and the, you know our job is to create the safe environment to be supportive like you say to be there to hold the hand you know to do be there so they can do the repetition all the stuff that you know we're like I said we're hotwired to do and if if we could get that system in place that whatever school has to look like or does look like in 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 sort of the 21st century to be more like that continual um, more like that continuation then we're going to be i think in a very different place and uh but who knows when that may or may not ever now, ever occur. And, and
1: mark and mark let me also say look i i know i'm so i i hear myself and i don't mean to sound like my way is the only way like this is not a one size fits all. This is not going to always work for everybody. And it's not a perfect system. You know, children are born with different abilities and capabilities and learning styles and all kinds of stuff. I'm, I think I'm one of the things I'm just asking for, because I'm sure there's some people is you know far more strict about raising their children and education than I am. I think I'm very, very liberal when it comes to child rearing. Um, But I think the, the part of the key is you have to do what works best for you, your child and your family legacy. I am also very interested in breaking like generational curses. And I think our children give us an opportunity to do things differently in our families than we may have experienced in our own growing up. And so you get a chance to kind of reset the course for your family by how you interact, engage, and
0: educate your children. Well, I think this has been an absolutely fascinating conversation. And more importantly, um, we talked at the beginning about, you know, how to introduce you and and what to do. And I think that whole idea of being a professor just builds up in your mind, that idea of someone at the front explaining something and a whole load of students in a classroom. And I think this is the epitome of kind of, of what you talked about giving us that 30 seconds thought, or in this case, uh, uh, a few minutes of thought, and then a lifetime of kind of action and understanding and kind of doing, which I think is key. So Scott, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for your insights Um, and tell everyone where they can find out more about you and interact again.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Um, You can find me at GeniusLabChicago.com, GeniusLabChicago.com com, And don't be fooled just because it says Chicago. We're not limited to Chicago. We can come to you in Australia. We can come to you in Asia. We can come to you in the UK, uh, Africa, all over the United States, Canada, Mexico. We can come. Um, and also on Instagram, Genius Lab Shy or Professor Stew on Instagram is where you can find me. Also feel free to go to
0: scottsteward.com. So. Fantastic. Have a great day. Thank you so much for being here. And it's uh, it's always a delight to be able to share these understandings and inspiration in the messages. I think it's it's the way we can change things and it's all about thought. So thank you so much indeed. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com.